0: it's like now I really love who I am and I don't post what I post for validation from anybody or even male attention it's just me and a lot of people who know like who's on my like private Instagram they see like I'm just that's how I find my confidence because it has taken me a lot to appreciate myself and my body there's been so many times where I felt I wasn't pretty enough where I just i have a lot of issues with my weight so it's really it's a pivotal time for me i'm just now learning at like 22 almost 23 that it's okay to be all that you are and to stand in that power Black Sublime Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Haberdashery, aka Aeolus White. What is good? What? Good. I am happy to be with y'all this week. I know I took last week off. I'm doing the every other week thing. You know, we trying to figure it out. I do miss talking to y'all every week. I do love that. It's like a little like, hey girl! Was good, you know what I'm saying, like, it's a little, you know, a little catch-up, but at the same time, I just, I'm going, I need to figure some shit out, I got a lot going on, so it'd be good for me and kind to myself to kind of chill out a little bit, um, just do whatever other week, and also, I just, like I said, I think, as I've said before, it's really a matter of, of trying to, really bake these ideas like I intended to talk this week about the whole subjectivity thing I'm gonna probably stumble into it or stumble through it but I don't feel like that idea is fully baked out yet so I won't but I started this episode with Chloe Bailey all right for black people, but people may know who she is. She's part of a group with Holly, um, who's her sister. It's a it's a group mentored by Beyonce. They're two wonderful young women, crazy talented. They're like, they are perfect vocalists, period. Perfect vocalists, period. So I really enjoy them, and also I kind of feel like i watched them grow up or whatever. Anyway, one of them, Chloe was getting bullied on the internet. I, I, I'm i not going to go into that. I just, what struck me about what she said as I was listening to her say, you know, at her age, at 22, 23, and I you hear her feel like it's a long time. Like, oh shit, like, you know, and I can understand that. You know, looking at Maybe her peers or maybe her sister or just the world, the Instagram, everything. People moving as though they know they are ready to be fully who they are and can stand in that power and know what that even means. And it struck me that she articulated it that way and it just completely moves me. I was also, I still am in like an emotional space, so I'm easily moved. I've been watching TV actually what I've been watching has been trash so it hasn't moved me like I like you would expect because I'm in such a like a sensitive space like you would think I'd just be watching anything and just start crying but this has been like no it's been sufficiently trash the things that I've been watching have been so trash that they've kept me from having any emotional reaction like I was just watching this show, this movie called The Accompanist. I've been putting it off because I couldn't tell if it was going to be racist or not by the picture. And I know that that is weird. Like, you should investigate more. But I'm so traumatized by racist things that I just was like, child. The picture, I, it looked like it could be racist. So, let me just not. Like, there was an old... It's a gay movie. There's an older white guy and a young... Guy, a young dancer who from the photo um, looked like this ballet looked like an uh, an Asian dancer. Well, just from the photo, if you don't really look. And I was like, Lord, y'all are not about to have it be some like... I just don't want it to be, you know, weird. I don't want it to be weird. I don't want it to be creepy. Let me just, you know nah let me just spare myself turns out it's not that bad it's the race isn't really part of it the age is part of it but not significantly he's actually not as young as the photos as the. so it's not that bad it is bad it's a bad movie um but it wasn't it's not like i don't want to fight anybody i don't want to write to uh whoever i think is i don't know who put it on but anyway, yeah, I just I wanted to 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 speak because about the Chloe situation. Because, you know, stand knowing that you can be fully yourself and standing fully in that power is not a destination that you arrive at. So, as much as she knows this now, she's going to come to know it again in a couple years, come to know it again through a certain event. Even this, I'm sure, is helping her realize it again because look at all the, the the shade and the hate from people that don't know it at all. And I felt like it was just worth saying, and potentially just to myself, that it's knowledge that I know, you know, and knowledge that I've understood but knowledge that I always need to relearn and re remember. And I think recall is actually the right word. You know, call upon it from the mind as though it were new again. You know, this sense of recall, um, a reinvocation of that knowledge. And the truth is, with the, the project that I'm dancing around, the subjectivity project. It calls a lot of those sort of platitudes and stuff into question. Or it it requires us to refine them. So, um, yeah. But I'll get into that in a moment. I still kind of feel like I want to talk my shit. So, aside from the accompanist, I watched this uh, series on Netflix. Because, you know, we know that I am a nerd and watch, like... You know, you know I love my fantasy shit. So, I watched... Um, it was called I'm I'm gonna get to lying. I think it was called Fate. The, it's a it's a series about fairies right and it's also not good but I thought it was going to be good like I, I actually I don't know if I go that far but I thought I would be more entertained than I was I will watch season two if they make a season two um it's just I think the casting is what did it for me I think it was a little too... On the nose, and I, I it's it's weird because I don't want to make stupid ass comments about like people's hair color, right, but they had the girl um the girl is a fire fairy, and then they casted her as a girl with red hair, and then they made like somebody made like a redhead joke in the beginning of the end of the show, and it's just like, you know. Not that it offended me, obviously, but it's just dumb. You know, like, we could, we could, in fact, like, today, we could think, we could just imagine a little bit harder. Like, it's in the context of, like, and I get it, you know, like, you want the color. I guess. It's just dumb. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's dumb. The, The black girl character was good. Um... Uh, Oh, the characters were okay. Like, we understood what was going on. I did like how they dealt with morality throughout. So, if y'all are interested in things like that, watch it. If not, it's fine. It's fine. I watched One Night in Miami, though. Okay. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Like, I'm not going to have a conversation about, like, I don't know. Like I'm not going to go too far into like a lot of shit, but I'm just going to talk about why I loved One Night in Miami or why I really 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 enjoyed it and think it's a beautiful piece and, you know, may watch it again maybe. So, to start. Shout out to the book club that I'm in. You know my book club, the book club. Shout out to the book club. We out here um, we're in. I'm in a book club with a couple of my friends, and we're growing. And one of my friends started it. She's great. It's just all beautiful. Um, so shout out to her. Shout out to y'all. You know, we 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 doing it. Um, we're reading this book, Wayward Lives, Beautiful Experiments, by Sadia C- Hartman. And what I and I bring that up just to, to just to put an anchor point there, right? Just to say, boom. I read a book that I've mentioned probably every week since I've read it, As Black As Resistance. I am reading Parable of the Talents now um, by Octavia Butler. I mention those things because they're all important in how I'm thinking about time and narrative and selfhood and ancestry, etc. Family, lineage, purpose, People you know, what it means to be a people. And Sadia writes in Venus and Acts, and I say that my other friend's image out to her, um, that, well, she doesn't say this exactly, I'm going to paraphrase it, but essentially to look at the history of black slaves is to only have access to history through white Eyes through white minds through white memory. You know, if I want to look at a primary source of the slave trade, it is going to be written from by a white hand by a European hand. I have no access, um, not none, but in terms of broad systemic or systematic or both, you know, access to his to history to factoids about. that time before we are, you know, when we were disallowed from creating our own um, legible from a written, like like a systems perspective, our own artifacts, you know, it's going to be filtered through the white perspective, which means it cannot be trusted when you're thinking about our history, when, when the work is creating our, our narrative, it means that it can't be trusted, it means that it's incomplete, And I think it's easy to see. Maybe she wouldn't say it can't. I think she probably would say it can't be trusted. But for those that won't go that far, it's at least incomplete because we were not seen as complete human beings. So that humanity that would round us out, that would round out the primary source, you know, enough to give us material upon which or with which we can construct our, like, humanity throughout time we won't be able to do that with some slaver's journal about slavery like it's just not going to hit right so she is engaging in this or embarking on this journey or engaging in this project which I think is a brilliant project where she fleshes out she reimagines the humanity of um this, the, the the figures and the photographs that are black, you know, that are, it's a historical thing. So she's reconstructing the past. It's kind of like a fictional anthropology. She's, uh, you know, doing this work to root our historicity or root our history in black and in, in black creation and black humanity through black imagination, her own which and and research she's obviously doing really robust research love that for her love that for us i think it's an important i think the past and allowing us to claim the past is, a, is an important project Then you have the future where I think, you know, as black as resistance, where I feel futurism like Parable of the Sower, Parable of the Talents, um most of you know a lot of Octavia Butler's work, um, if not all of it, where it would live. This reconstruction of a black future. Um and I think that all, both of them, they are on, on the opposite ends of a similar project. Super important. I mean, important as... Imp- By important, I mean worthwhile. I'm not saying that it's my project. I don't think I'm... I think... Those projects inform my belief and my imagination, and not in terms of like patting myself on the back, but the power of imagination in radical thought, the power of imagination in realizing liberty, realizing freedom. Watching these, or you know, being able to witness the work of these two women doing doing this is showing me to is reminding me to push the limits, push the boundaries, and you know what tools I have at my disposal. And that I should never stop. That I should really be questioning everything until I have rooted out the effects of white supremacy of European supremacy on um, everybody else, frankly. Um, So, yes. All of that. One Night in Miami fits in that project. That fictional reimagining. It is a cinematographical bitch. I don't know if that's the word. But it's the film version of that project. Regina King knows this. If you don't know the project, you will not get the film. I shouldn't say get the film. But you will not appreciate the film. Not to say that you need to read. Not to say that you need to have an academic background. I'm not saying that you need to Read to Diah Hartman, or that you even needed to define the project as I've defined it. But for people that are looking for change, for Black people that are looking for a united change, a community throughout space time, there is an intuition. The an intuition. That drives us to look towards the past and create things that can allow us to love ourselves. That can allow us to build on ourselves. If you don't get the project, you don't don't get that. So you might critique it as though you would be critiquing regular ass shit. But you're not critiquing it. You're not getting what it is. You're not getting it. Right? So, like, I was talking to one of my friends about Sadia Hartman's book, and she said it's beyond critique. And I agree with that. I agree with that. I think, you know, art, I think we should critique art in some, like, to, you know, improve tech. Well, I'm not even sure. Really, we should critique art if, if the benefit, to the extent that it makes it and what's around it sustainable, to, this, to the extent that it makes uh, it more impactful, if the desire is to reach the most number of people, then I think there's criticism. But if you're not making a project to hit for uh, everybody, you're fine with only five people liking it, and if you're using sustainable materials, or you're using your techniques, and I'm not going to break your hand if you're a painter, or you know techniques that aren't going to ruin your voice if you're, if you're a singer, or injure your body beyond repair if you're an actor or whatever. I think I should mind my business, frankly. But we critique film. That's what we do. It's fine, right? Um, but yeah, if you don't get the project, if you don't get where that sits in the revolution or in the work, like I listened to a Virginia King interview and she says... Um, she says that she wanted to make something that uh, black men, every black man she knows could see themselves in. And I thought that was beautiful. And I think when you think about, when you push that desire, when you push it to, well, if every black man that she loves can see themselves in these legendary black men. These black men that... Put that pushed a revolution. Whether if it was you know there's, I'm not gonna go into like the radicalism or whatever, but that pushed that revolution. Then that allows us all to see ourselves as agents of change, agents of great change. We watch them all. We're watching Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, we're watching Malcolm X. Them self actualize. Them choose themselves. Something that when you even look at what Chloe said, that we still struggle with. And that connects us to what we need to do next in a way that is noble, in a way that is substantive, in a way that is powerful. And if you don't get that... You, I mean, it's not for you. I was just saying, you know, but, And also, it's important to say that when Regina said that she wanted to make something like this, I'm not going to say that it's black art. It's black art. So I guess I'm going to say it. But it's not just black art because there are black people in it. It's not just black art because it was made by a black person. It's black art because the intention was to heal... The intention was to fortify black people. So, really, if you are not black, I don't even understand, I mean, what criticism could there be? Um, But, you know, that's the nature of things. Um, and I'm saying all this because I'm just thinking about, you know, how Black art is received. I saw myself in Sam Cook. I saw myself in Sam Cook. I, I was talking about this, I think, on the podcast, but I'm actually not sure. So I, you know, you know, I'd be lying. Um, but I've recently come to the point. So this may be repetitive. That like I am not going to try to make popular music anymore. Not that I really ever I I did. I would say my first project was there were pop elements. The songwriting was pop. The structure was pop. I, you know, you had the verse, the pre- My first song had like a blues kind of element, but it was like popified blues. My last song, I think, was the one that was the most like original in terms of concept, in terms of structure, where it was there was a bridge, but it was kind of written like a jazz tune. Um and then I did this like poem interlude over the same chords that are in Make Myself Love Him. I still love the way that sounds in my ear, that interlude. Um, but I then made remixes that I fell in love with, but the remixes I made for myself, so they're kind of like house influence or like dance tracks. And I made this song um, that I haven't released that I loved last year that I need to actually finish the mixing and stuff um but it had pop melodic elements in the in the song and a really simple pop chord progression that I think I love this one of my favorite chord progressions so you know whatever but it's a really pretty chord progression um but I did my best to arrange it in ways that that whatever but I realized that at the end of the day, because of capitalism, because I spend money on my music, I want my music... I end up being influenced by it, by the fact that I spend money, right? When I... I, Because I, you know, am not a wealthy person. Now, if, you know, I focus on working and making money, then I won't be under that same financial strain musically and be able to make whatever I want without thinking about it. But... Um, in the context of like the patch, particularly then, I think I released that I, I recorded it when I left my investment bank that I was at, and I hadn't yet started at the startup, so I had no job when I recorded this EP. So I was like, "Bitch!" and I, you know, I spent a lot of money on it, whatever. Um, but I say all that to say that now the stuff that i'm writing musically is just for me is to push my art push my pen push my ear push my my harmonic sensibility push my you know I, I there there is a difference between letting you know a lyric come to you and then letting a melody come to you and then finding the chords from that and then playing a chord and then finishing the melodic line and then playing another chord and like not caring about well you know if I'm a writer pop song it gotta be one you know one five you know you know I don't know like one six four five or one five four six or you know a certain chord progression or you know all the billions of you know pop chord progressions that are out there and I think people that don't make music don't really understand like how regimented it can be. I mean, it's literally the case that if I say I'm gonna make a pop chord progression that's one, five, four, six, those four chords in any key, I just repeat them and then I write a song on top of it. <laughs> and that's it. And then I make my melody pleasant. You know, which don't have to be the deepest thing if you're a songwriter. It's part of your skill, like. And then you choose. What they say is you choose a sentence or a phrase or a, a some a concept that you say in regular speech. This is turning into like a songwriting thing, but you say in regular speech. So like, you know, if I if I say some shit like yo was good. Or like, you know, what's up, love? Or something like that. Or like, I just thought of what's love got to do with it. Like, that saying. And then, you know, you have a song like Ashanti and Fat Joe. You know, what's love got to do... You just, you pick a saying that everybody knows. You put it over a chord progression that everybody knows. You come up with a way to say it. And that's just how you write music. And I think... I just, not that it's bad, I'm not critiquing that at all, it's just, like I just thought about single ladies and Beyonce song, and like, you know, when you go to the club, or you say, you know, all the single ladies, put your hands up, and then she literally took that, because that's I say in the club. And then she made a, a single you know, a single. like she just, whatever. that on the wiki that was. That was terrible, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how songs are made. And it's, like I said, I'm not criticizing it. But I won't be, I wouldn't be happy like that. You know, I wouldn't feel like I have my ability to make change I have the ability to create community I wouldn't feel like I could do it authentically and I think in one night in Miami you see this con you see this you know conflict between Malcolm X and Sam Cooke and then the the thought of Bob Dylan making this song that was more revolutionary than a black song right it it bothered him and it, it was a great that, it's, a, it's great I suggest people watch it Whatever So I'm going One Night in Miami Young yeah, Miami you know, Period um, I forgot how that song go And then Alright So let's see What else Alright So yeah We can kind of get into the tea I mean briefly This is going to be a brief episode A brief episode I wanted to okay, yeah, so earlier, right, we were talking about Chloe and um um so okay, so let's go back. let's just let me i I'm, I'm gonna hold off on that. Oh, there was something that I wanted to talk about before I went into this. So thankfully I did hold off. You know, recently I've been I've been moved deeply, 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 deeply moved by something that happened in my family. And there's a lot that I won't say about it, but I did want to share that. I'm probably going, I'm not, I'm not going to tear up or whatever. So, you know, there was a, a, someone in my, an elder in my family recently passed away. And you know, there are two elders that are siblings and they obviously have been through so much. Like they've been through I mean, just what it means to be an elder from their country, the country, country, country of South Carolina to come to New York and make a live and make a life, you know, it's like and have kids and get married and, you know, own homes and you know, all this stuff, like what they were able to achieve it's incredible. But you know, their brother and sister and the brother who passed away had a family member bring him to see his sister. And they talked about everything according to the sister. You know, I've reached out to her. Um, they talked about everything that needed to be discussed, because there were some things that needed to be discussed um, between the two of them, because you know, it kind of got a little messy, but whatever. Um, and you know, he wanted he loved his sister so much, and he with his last that was the last thing he did was see his sister. And then he died, you know, shortly after, a couple hours after he would left. And I just thought about, you know, they used to share bank accounts. They used to share everything. You know, he used to give us all money every Christmas. You know, that's the kind of person, every Christmas, somehow, there's a billion of us, okay? (laughs) There's a billion of us. He'd give us all money. And, like, they shared their resources. Despite being married, through marriages, they had something. You know, both of them had been married. And yet, none of their spouses interfered with that relationship. It was not, you know, well, men. but I'm talking about the good marriages. Let me not be shady, but, you know, um... And I just I told the sister, I told her I was like, I look at y'all as a model for brother and sister. I look at y'all as that. You know, that's the model I have for brother and sister, because you know, my some of my uncles be moving crazy songs, you know. But like, so I look for y'all. And yeah, and I said that to to her, and I believed it and and i I bring this up to 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 tie it really to the subjectivity point, tie it to the revolution, tie it to everything I've said, which is to i I believe that there has to be a diffusion of self the the In order to promote black liberation and the liberation of marginalized peoples, I mean, I look at what it's meant, what we understand as power, what we understand as self. And I said this last week, but I find that a lot of what we express as self, particularly on a common level, like in everyday life, we describe self as there's an us that is unchanged, this sense of self, this sense of being that is beyond just my body, but it is a self that does not change or waver despite the environment. It is a self that is contained within one and one is singular, detached, alone. It is that first person. I think that root that that individualism, that the strict, uncrossable boundaries of self that's rooted in Western thought. So pre white western thought I think that tradition is opposite to what the common understanding is of pre-colonial American and African and black African thought. and American I mean obviously indigenous American and I'm only speaking about those I cannot I am not an expert in like your like Asian, and by Asian I mean the entire continent, like the indigenous peoples there pre colonial time. So now I'm not saying that they were colonized, but you know, before that time in global and world history. Um but that kind of Fixedness is something that doesn't seem to lend itself to community to to intimacy and to community to community that we can build revolution and equality on top of because like what I love about the siblings. Is that a lot of their lives, because of, you know, tragedy and shit and, you know, whatever. There was a shared identity. Obviously, they had their functions. So, I'm not saying that they are a model of, like, this permeable selfhood. But when I think about what I want for myself as liberation. Is to acknowledge the truth of my subjectivity, which is that it is changeable. It's heavily influenced by my environment. It's heavily influenced by my relationship. You know, if somebody calls, if if one of my friends says, you know, I feel like you're happy all the time, it could be, the, the truth is that I what it means to be I is too expansive to have qualities like happy whatever the self is if the self is whatever if you want to think about it on a divinity whatever you think about it in terms of mystery you want to think about it in terms of just biology the self whatever the self is is cannot be happy you know it's you make me happy. I am happy when I'm with you. In your presence, I find joy. You help me achieve that. We are happy. We are happy. And when you look at me, it's reflected back to you. Or if you feel like it's not, then maybe I am pulling it from another re- from, uh, from another relational dynamic that I am in. You know, but it's not that I am happy. It's that we are happy. And when I think about tackling things like equality, a lot of these concepts become irrelevant. Not because they're not important, but because they're logical. They are logical they follow logically from the premise, from the hypothesis. If I say that my identity is diffuse, that what it means to be a self is like some like dev- some like nebulous term, but how it shows up is necessarily relational, meaning that you only really see me in the context of a we, then equality is obvious. Like then of course I am equal to my blank, to you, to, the course is equality, of course, I mean, there, it would be, to, to, de, to deny you what I hope for myself, and myself being my body, to deny you of that, would be to deny me of that, it would be to dampen the way, my expansiveness, it wouldn't even make sense, it only makes sense. Inequality relies on the, the the individualization of self. It relies on self, and like and 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 the problem is is that it's not just inequality. The problem is that when you look at what Chloe said to being fully yourself and stand in that power, sometimes that language, that individualist language, lives in things like that. And it's not that she's wrong or that I'm criticizing her because baby girl deserves all the things. And I think to her point, what she said was that she wanted to share it. That she gets her confidence from sharing well, she said that's how I find my confidence, right? Because she shares in the sharing, in the mutuality, in the in the the not privatizing or not not privatizing and not say, but not being private. She finds her confidence, and being committed to that is how you stand in your power. But the language itself. If you don't connect it to, as I just did to what you said about finding confidence, it is this idea that you must impose the self, that you are imposing the self onto your environment. You're imposing yourself onto your, you know, there, I'm being good into that, the, the, what it means to impose yourself. And I think that will be what we discuss next time. But there is a difference between imposing yourself onto your reality and understanding that you are in dialogue, you are in you are in a bi-directional you are in communication with your environment and you are not the chief. You are not, you know, because it's not just your environment. Like it's earth, it's the earth, it's your community, it's your it's everything. So you're in dialogue, there's agency there, but it's a small part. Because you are a small part. Um. And with that, I'll leave y'all. I th- I think I do know. We'll talk about imp- imposing the self. Um. I love and miss you guys, you guys and gals, and non non conforming, you know, gender non binary folk. And um, stay safe, stay warm. If you I mean it's cold. It's fucking snowing like a beach in this motherfucker. In New York, but you know For those of y'all that are not in New York Stay warm, stay, you know Safe, and I'll talk to y'all In two weeks